Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Learner's Corner podcast. This is the podcast for lifelong learners where we learn from anything and everything. My name is Caleb Mason. And I'm Todd Hixenbaugh. Today, we're going to be joined by Phil Battle, who is the creative arts pastor at West Ridge Church. And really what we're going to be talking with him about is social media. We're going to be talking about communication within an organization and going from an organization as well. And really talking about branding and what type of story you want your organization to tell. So with Phil Battle, he, he was a great interview for us to be able to talk to talk with because he brings such experience and just knowledge to understanding not just the not just technology and not just how to to push buttons and, and understand what the best um, toys and gadgets are to have to do this, but he understands that there's a person on the other side of the screen that he's communicating to, and so it was a great <clears throat> way to just be able to talk with him about about how how. Um, Communications, branding, these things, they're not just the last thing that you do at the church. They're, they're a ministry, and, and they're really something to be able to latch onto. And it, it's something that's, that's personal, and that's to an individual, and not to these nameless, faceless screens. And so we were just so, so thrilled to be able to talk with him and be able to hear him share his heart on, on communications, branding, and, and social media. And we're going to join our conversation with Phil Battle right now. Well, welcome to the podcast, Phil. We're so glad to have you on the Learner's Corner today. Hey, thanks so much for having me, guys. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your your role at uh, Westridge and just kind of what you're doing there? Yeah, so I'm the creative arts pastor at Westridge Church, so serve on the leadership team there, and um, and somewhat I I oversee four um, four aspects of our of our team there, and that's the worship, production, media, and communications, and uh, really tr- everything creative has has got our fingerprint on it. Um, but more than anything, I'm kind of the orchestra director, trying to make sure we're all telling one song or playing one song together through each of those channels and stuff. So really try to do that, not just in big church, but really through all of our ministries. And so we want to build a creative culture from kids to students, to young adults and, and beyond. And stuff. So that's that's what I get to do. I get to serve with an incredible team of talented people that um, that that love our church, love our community and love getting to do what we get to do. So it's, it's a blast. Cool. You know, one one of the things that, at least for me and I've seen um, with looking at other churches, is, you know, everybody, every church has a communications department, but everybody yep. has like a different definition of what a communications <laughs> department does. Yep. So just so like we're on the same page and everything, what what's kind of your definition for what a communications department does? Oh, man, well, 15, 20 years ago, the communications department looked like the administrative assistant that was doing the bulletin. I mean, that was the communications department. And so now I think with how many channels, with how many opportunities we have all across the board with social video, um, websites, everything. I mean, there's so many new opportunities that, that I think communications can't be about the channel anymore. It can't be about the, what you're creating. It's got to be telling the way I would define it is telling the story of what God's doing in and through your church. And then through that, helping people take a next step in their in that story and in their in their um, journey to become fully devoted followers of Jesus. So um, that's as far as a communications department for a church. But I think even in, in a business context, it's telling the story of what you're doing, mm-hmm. um, and and you do that through multi, multiple channels, multiple ways. But it's more about story than it is about delivery on on any one medium. 
So whenever it comes to like a, a communication system or communication department, what are like some critical systems or tools that they need to have in place? Yeah, I, I mean, I would just I would say that tools are awesome and, and they're going to change every time. You know, every year there's going to be something better out there. And so I think the most important tool is the way you think, the way that you process information, the way that you're translating what you're trying to do as an organization and translating that into how you deliver that. So I think it's a lot more about advocating for your audience, being a voice for your audience. Um, and that's the most important tool that you've got because that's going to change all the tools that you use. Um, but And even through that, thinking more about the why before the what. Um, we get, I'm the kind of guy, I love downloading new apps. I love new tools. I'm always searching for a way to do like my calendar better or my task list better or anything like that. But sometimes that gets away in the way of actually how I'm thinking about how I'm doing those things. And it's, there's not really magic bullets out there for the, for whatever app or tool you're using. It's about how you think about these things, how you process it. But, um, that said, there are some great tools out there that help you do both of that. I mean, the things that are critical to, my personal um, systems for how I think and get things done is, is an app called Things by Culture Code, and that is my digital brain for how I process all things of, of anything I'm responsible for or putting on my list. I'm always opening that up to be my digital brain, um, and that could be as simple as like reminding myself next Monday to reach out to a volunteer and just encourage them and connect with them. I, I'm not smart enough to remember all that stuff on the fly. So I need something to kind of be my, my virtual assistant. Mm -hmm. And that app is awesome because it will, it will pop up on Monday and it's like, oh, I feel, I feel smarter because I remembered in some way, even though it was just really that app. So that's critical for me personally. That's how I get a ton of stuff done. But for my creative team, what we're doing, we use Asana as our project management software, I, I love they're continually improving it, um, you know, with with each revision. But it's a great tool for helping delegate and um, create conversations about what we're creating, and so that's critical to what we do. Um, and then uh, Google Docs is is critical as well as far as how we're c collecting on content, how we're keeping things organized and and spreadsheets and, and as boring as they can be. It's critical because we probably have 20-some people looking in on our communications plan um, for what we're doing each month, each week of the year. So without that, it, if it was just living on a whiteboard somewhere in somebody's office, we wouldn't be near as efficient as we are um, by doing that. So those are all a few tools, but there's some incredible ones out there that uh, I, I love taking a Friday every once in a while and just exploring the new, new apps and, and tools out there. But I, I do I do think it's more important about how we think than, than the way we're doing some of these things because there's some really productive people that are using um, systems that are much more analog than digital mm -hmm. and they're killing it and stuff. So it's more about, uh, it's more about why, not what. Yeah. You know, one of the things that you said was, you know, staying in touch with your audience's voice mm -hmm. and, you know, paying attention to your target audience. What are some of the things that you do to stay in touch with your target audience to make sure that you're reaching them? Mm -hmm. I think it, it goes back to what I said earlier of advocating for your audience in the way of if you're, if you start becoming thinking like a staff member, thinking like you're part of just the staff and not like you're consuming the same content, then you lose your perspective. You lose your audience hat. Um, and, that, and so the more isolated you are into, hey, here's just the stuff we're pushing out, 
the more um, the more numb you get to all those things that um, that other people are noticing. It's just like at your house. I mean, once you, you move, if you move into a new house and you're like, oh, I'm going to fix up this bathroom, I'm going to change this, and then three years later, you're just used to living in it and you stop noticing those things that you notice the first time when you come in. Mm-hmm. And so I think how you stay in touch is how you're as is it really depends on what hat you're putting on. And so my job more than anything is to be that person in the room, to be that person on consuming social and everything that we're doing um, from two perspectives. One of what's the story we're trying to tell. And then did that story translate into how we're actually telling it? And that way that's, that gives you the opportunity to connect with them. Cause it's not about you. Like anything that we're, we're doing, it's not about, what we're trying to just push out as an organization or as a church, it's about connecting with somebody that we get the opportunity to connect with. So if it's, if the message isn't connecting, um, that's where our problem is. So it's great to be able to keep that audience hat and see, and that changes how you, how you view um, everything on how you connect to me. Mm-hmm. So switching a little bit to like social media, what, yeah. what do you see are some things that, you know, whether it's a church or whether it's a business or an organization or something, what are like some steps that you could see that most churches or organizations aren't doing, but should start doing whenever it comes to social media? Well, it kind of connects with what we were just saying. I, I, there's a lot of, <laughs> we use a completely different filter for how we write and create social media sometimes compared to how we actually consume. So I see tons of places out there assuming that everybody is hanging on every word and looking at every post and just assuming, man, I'm really interesting. So you need to hear everything I'm saying instead of earning that. And so the the thing that I try to keep in front of our team and keep in front of just the the mantra behind social media is I want to create an account that, that I myself would want to connect with and follow. I want to create content that I'm proud to share, not that I'm embarrassed to see um, or that I feel like, oh, that's not going to connect. So I want to create stuff that is that that I myself am connecting with on, on outside organizations. Um, it's a social media is a stewardship that you have and, and to, to connect with your audience. And you don't have people don't have to follow you. They can unlike it. They can unfollow it. They can. Um, disconnect. And so that's a stewardship we have to manage. So it can't all, all be about um, one-way conversations because that's not social media. <laughs> that's broadcast. So um, it, social has to be about creating conversations that, that are two-way engagement. And it looks a little bit different on every platform. Um, but, you know, it, I mean, I think of even even for improving social media, I mean, there's a, the way that we think about social now compared to five years ago has radically changed. Before, I wouldn't have ever said it this way, but social media was a little bit of an afterthought. And in our rhythm, we, we create content on Sunday, we create an experience that helps people connect, and then we would look at social as, well, how do we just extend that message and kind of take whatever was there and rebroadcast it? Well, People aren't going on Facebook typically to watch a 40-minute message. You know, they're they're going there and scrolling super fast. So how we adapt that message has changed in the first place now. But it's also um, we have sometimes our messaging that we're creating is being seen more during the week on social media than it's being seen on Sunday morning in our in our services. Mm-hmm. So we could show a video and, and 10,000 people could see it on a in a service over a weekend, but we may see 45 or 50,000 people see that through social media through people sharing it. So that means it's just important as important for our strategy on how we're creating that content and creating that video um, for 
thinking about it with the outlet of social than it is just on Sunday morning, you know, in a service. So that first 15 seconds is critical um, in social media. And, and if they're sitting there in, 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 a, in a room watching a video, they don't have a choice to leave. They're not just going to bail on you typically. But that doesn't mean that they're actually paying attention. And so some of the principles that we're seeing that work on make it work on social media are actually being adapted into our Sunday morning experience and in our services and what we create. And it's much more um, that, that the things we're learning about social are actually translating far better in every other environment because social media is kind of changing the way we think and the way we um, process information. So the more that we can adapt to that early on now and let that be a part of the early stages of our messaging, the more effective our message is actually going to be. Mm-hmm. Can you give us some examples of how you know what you're learning on social is impacting you know the weekend services or your environments? Well, I mean, a lot of, in the church context, a lot of people are, are depending on connecting in person as the only way to, to deliver a message. And because of that, they're putting a lot more pressure on just that experience when people are sitting in front of you. Um, so that means they're blasting so many announcements and messages because, hey, they've got to be here. and We're going to tell them these eight things that they've got to hear. Um, it's like sitting in a PTO meeting or something like that at the end, and they're just they're going to go on and on about all these announcements. You, you tune out in the first minute <laughs> once you realize, okay, this is going to be going on for a while. So, um, you know, from a from a social media standpoint, I mean, from practically we're, from a we're looking at social media as a whole as an extension of our audience of something that we can we can use that as a creative way to connect with them during the week. I mean, we did a couple years ago. It was more than anything. It was kind of an experiment, an experiment and a test for us of what would it look like if we could raise, um, it, we could bring in like over to get over two thousand shoes donated for our cause that just came up, and the cause came up on Monday morning in our in our um, leadership team meeting. We didn't have the option to um, to go have a service and and get people to bring stuff in for the next Sunday. All we had was social. And so we created content that was going to work on social through graphics, through video, through emotionally connecting with what the story was and, and allowing people to play a part and, and invited them to connect with us to bring, to bring those shoes in to help the homeless in Atlanta that next Sunday. And I, really, I didn't know if it was going to work. I didn't I wasn't sure if it was going to translate or not. And, it, and sure enough, we exceeded the, the needs that we had because people were listening and engaging on social media. And so that was a super powerful message and a lesson for me is that there is huge potential in, in impacting people's lives and using social media as, um, as a place to spur on action and connect with people. And I think it's, it's very underutilized and untapped for, um, for things that really have like big impact and, probably looked at too much as just a, a bulletin board of, hey, here's some things that you should know because we think it's important. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think it's just changing the lens of, of looking at that as the primary, not the secondary, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So how, how do you go about like creating some like memorable experiences on social media and everything? Yeah. It, well, people assume, so we're, I'm a part of a big church, so people don't assume that they're they're assuming that we're kind of a, they're coming into experiences with us thinking they're part of a big crowd. Mm-hmm. And so I love to find ways to make it and make our messaging not be one to all, but one to one. 
And so Andy Stanley has a, has a quote that says, do for one what you wish you could do for all. And so we've all probably had some kind of experience where some brand or um, some kind of organization breaks a, a mold that you wouldn't have expected. So they're maybe they're connecting with you through a tweet that you thought, hey, I didn't even know they were listening. I didn't even know they were going to connect with me. And what does that do to you when you, you think about that brand? You think of them in a whole different light because you're they become human. They become a place that you want to connect with in a, at a deeper level. You build a memorable, memorable experience in that way from you to them. And so, um, like one of the things we did, we did a we did a night of worship um, about a year ago. And so part part of the thing that we were trying to do to build buzz around that and awareness around it was we said, hey, what song are you hoping to hear? Um, on on our night of worship and hey no guarantees we're not going to play all these but we'd love to just hear from you guys what, what what are you hoping to hear and so there were some songs that um that we were not gonna we knew were not part of our our playlist for that night but we thought man wouldn't it be cool if we could grab an hour with uh, a couple guys from our band and our video guy and we're gonna film a bit like just shoot a quick raw video of a message from one to one. So if, if John from, you know, from Atlanta says, Hey man, I'm hoping to hear this old DC talk song. There's no way we're doing the old DC talk song. Right. You know, but we can have fun with them and create an experience for him where he's like, dude, I hadn't, I was not expecting this. So we would go there, create a, right. Um, we, we just film say, Hey John, here's, Hey, we're not doing that song, but we're doing this song just for you. I hope you enjoy this. And we're, we're busting out that song. And so what, here's what that does. He now has a whole different view of this corporate church that we have because it's not just one big church. It's one. It's a one-to-one experience that has bonded the heart of them to our organization. And um, and not only that, too, we have other people looking in on this conversation saying, oh, my gosh, like look what they did and what does it do for them? Now they want to engage with us in a personal way. So it, creating memorable experiences is hard to do when you're talking to 1,000 people or 10,000 people. But we can find little ways to break the mold and break expectations that people have. That's where it becomes memorable. So it's about breaking those expectations and doing that in a unique way. And um, so, I mean, that's that's the fun part. It, it means that you can't be plastic in your social media strategy. It means you have to listen. It means you have to engage. The conversation doesn't end when you hit submit or send on that post. It starts at that point. So that's where, that's where the fun begins. And it, again, that's like... We would all want to follow that account. We would want to connect with that kind of account. So there's no reason why that like that was worth every minute of that hour that we spent um, having fun with those people on social media. That was a blast. And uh, and it's well worth every every bit of investment for that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think I think there is a little bit of a tendency in, you know, people's brains to think, you know, social media is great. Is it? Is it as important for me to like keep my website updated or like left wondering like you know what's the role of a website? So like what in your opinion like what what should an effective church website do? I think it should be a hub. Mm-hmm. It should be the place where every where new people and current people and, and everybody can take their next step mm-hmm. uh, and keep and removing barriers from that process. So. Uh, I think everybody is on the hard thing about websites is everybody's coming at it from a different perspective, different point of view or, or with different needs. And so I think as we advocate for our audience, it means that we have to know who those people are, what their needs are and help remove barriers and, and um, get to clarity in those messages so that we can help them take their next step in that. 
the website shouldn't be an encyclopedia. It should be a, it should be a mm-hmm. place to take your next step. And so if there's so much noise and clutter on there, then it's really hard to connect with it. So, but by making it a hub where people can take their next step, that hub now can be pointed to from social, from live experiences, from announcements, from, um, from postcards, from print pieces, because now that's a place where they can go to take their next step. Um, and so that's where I think it, it, it works as, at its best. It's not a, it's not a digital um, brochure. You know, it's a place for people to connect and engage and, and know here's how it, it, they're going there for a need at some point, whether they're new and they need directions or they're, they're engaged or they want to get more engaged or they want to learn how to serve. They want to learn how to give. Um, and, and through that, as you, as you have a chance to be able to help people take their next step, I think it's important to do that in a way that makes that clear and easy for them to do, but also tells the story of the impact of what the, those next steps are. So telling stories that people can um, see themselves in and telling stories of people overcoming barriers that other people have um, so that they, when they go to that site, it feels like they, they have that that's me moment. They have that moment where it's like, hey, this is – I, that's a, that's a need that I have that I want to be able to take my next step in. So that's, that's my thoughts. I mean, it, the website world even has changed a ton over the years. I mean, a lot of websites look the same now. So I think people focus way too much on the look and not enough on the content and streamlining that content. Um, you, you're better off doing a squared space site, um, that is simple and effective and makes it really clear rather than spending, 20 grand on a, on a cool looking shell with really still bad content and stuff. So I, th- I think it's more important about just removing those barriers, whatever they are and, um, and helping people take that next step. Mm-hmm. So like in your switching gears a little bit, you know, in your role or maybe like trying to figure out like a new cool idea for social media, like that worship um, idea with playing, pe- playing DC talk songs for people, you know, how... That's not a pretty big part, even though they're my favorite band of all time. That's yeah. not really a, a consistent part of our yeah. of our music strategy. I'll just yeah. make things. <laughs> you never uh, know if you change. But <laughs> how do you go about, you know, getting into, like, your creative flow or, like, getting your creative juices going? Yeah, it, for me, what I've, I've done, there's multiple things I'll do. I need to change my environment. I need to get out of the office um, for me, if I'm in office mode, I'm in relational meeting mode. And I just, whether I like it or not, when I walk into that office, that's the, it's really hard to break that rhythm. So for me, what I found is I need coffee and I need, I need some place where I can have that coffee in a place that is going to break my typical environment. And so for me, I've, I've completely changed my weekly rhythm of my schedule to start the day off at, uh, start my week off on Monday morning, the whole beginning of my morning is focused on big picture and dream time. And that's where sometimes the best ideas happen. That's where I'm able to kind of take a 10,000 foot view at where, where I've been, where I'm at and where I'm going uh, for me personally and my leadership, but also as a team. And that's where sometimes like removing myself from some of the clutter and giving myself room to kind of get out above the fray of what's going on. That's where more perspective happens. That's where more room to dream and, and create and think differently happens. So that's, that's critical to what I do. Um, and even giving myself room to be in, inspired and look at other, other things that might spark ideas. Um, so that's pretty critical to, to me and that, that big picture dream time, uh, first thing on Monday. But the other thing is my creative flow never really stops. Like it's not, it's not something that I turn on and off. I mean, I'm, 
I'm the guy that my wife is 20 steps in front of me, forgetting that I didn't realize I stopped walking because I'm over at the, at an airport or a restaurant or something taking pictures because I, I love the texture of that sign. And I'm, I'm, if that sparks an idea for how that could be, you, we could use that in a stage design or, um, you know, so there's, there's always that collection of ideas that's happening that's going to end up sometimes some, uh, what I've found is sometimes there's like a year or two year delay on some of those captured ideas before mm-hmm. there's ever a place for those ideas. Um, and it's, I'm pulling back a year ago from that picture I took at the airport because it's, I found a problem I need to solve that I realized, Hey, somebody solved that problem a year ago and I can learn from that. So keeping my radar on all the time is critical for that creative flow so that it never, so I don't have to have some kickstart to, to even get it back going. Um, and, and that helps me to solve more problems in a, in a more creative way. So, you know, especially I think in the church world, you know, sometimes, or even in the business world, you know, sometimes we can have these really big and sometimes seemingly complicated ideas. Mm-hmm. How, how do you go about, you know, communicating sometimes these complicated or complex ideas and communicating them in a more simple way that, you know, that the whole audience can understand what you're saying? Mm-hmm. It's part of it is going back to what we were talking about earlier of, of not thinking like an insider. Mm-hmm. And so being an advocate for your audience and thinking about what, what message they would need to hear. So it's not about you. Um, so make it about the people you're trying to reach. But mm-hmm. I mean, so my wife taught me early on when we were um, back when we were dating, she, she said, Hey, here's how you know when spaghetti's done, you can take one little strand out, throw it against the wall or against the fridge. And if it sticks, it's it's done. It's you know gooey enough. It's it's cooked enough through. And I'm like, oh, that's brilliant. Like that's that's kind of the creative process. You're constantly throwing stuff against the wall and seeing what's sticking. Mm-hmm. And so I think for 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 messaging, you're kind of throwing the spaghetti against the wall. And sometimes people stop at the first throw and realize it's only halfway cooked, but that's all the time you've got. And then they're frustrated when the message doesn't connect. So I think for us, it's it for for me, it, it's constantly pitching those ideas, refining that message. I'm constantly going down the hall, talking to another person on our on our team, saying, "Hey, if I said it, if I told you this, how would you connect? What are you feeling right now?" And that's constantly a chance for me to learn from a message and see what's translating or what what idea that sparks. Um, I mean, sometimes. So I think by pitching those ideas, like we'll we'll do that in a video form of. I'll talk to our video guy and we'll say, hey, here's what we're trying to accomplish in this promo. We're trying to build anticipation for an event of what's coming up. And so then we'll show them, show our you know, financial team this video and bring them down to our office and say, hey, I'm not going to give you any context. Watch this. And then I want to know what you think. And they'll watch it and say, um, man, I – I'm, I'm excited about this. Like, I don't, I don't really even, it didn't answer all the questions, but I, I want to know more. And we're like, yes, it connected. That's awesome. You know? And so it, it accomplished what we were trying to do. And so that's how we know we've got something that's sticking. Um, but other times that, that pitch with the financial team doesn't always go as well. And then we know, Hey, we still have some work to do. Or it sometimes it's as simple as like, Hey, the music made me think this was going to be really dramatic and intense. Like it was a movie, but it's not, that's not what we're actually trying to have people think about uh, about what we're doing so that pitching process is critical um to finding out if your message is actually sticking because the 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 second you're creating things for yourself or from yourself you typically lose objectivity 
Um, so you, if you're designing and you're in Photoshop for 10 hours, you've lost your objectivity for if that design solved the problem you're trying to create, trying to solve. So you need other people's perspective in that to lean into that and to figure out did it meet the objective you're trying to meet um, in that. So all those things are critical. So we were, we were kind of looking through, you know, your blog and, you know, one of the ideas that really stood out to me was this idea of redefining excellence. Can mm-hmm. you talk a little bit more about that? Well, I mean, some of that was lessons from mistakes I've made, honestly. I mean, because I, I, I don't, in, my, in my world in the church, I mean, I grew up in the church, and it, the church was not always known as a place where, crea- where creativity and excellence matched. <laughs> and, and that, like, that's not what it was known for, right? So I kind of had that as my mantra, like, I'm not going to let that happen for things I'm creating. I want that to match with every, with what Pixar is doing. I want to match with what this, you know, this creative team is doing or this artist is doing, which is not inherently wrong by any means. But what it can often do is it, is it creates this idea that excellence is perfection. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that that's actually the case. I think excellence isn't, isn't necessarily a destination. It's not about perfection. And it's a lot more about stewardship and um, doing the very best with what you have. So you're foolish to think that you might be able to do your best work with, with, as a Lone Ranger video guy compared to what a film team is doing with a $20 million budget. That's so that doesn't mean, though, that you can't maximize every minute, every hour you've got, every tool you've got, every lens, all those things. So uh, often people get stuck in realizing, okay, well, we can't do it like these people do it. So I'll either give up or they're constantly trying to um, meet this this sense of expectation that they put on themselves of excellence that they're never going to be able to meet. And so it kind of it, it becomes numbing in that way. And so I think it's a lot more just about being a really good steward with everything that we've got in our hands and doing the best we can with what we have. And, you know, in, in my context, I've had to learn, too, that like God doesn't, has not called us to fix everything that we that we see, uh, especially as creatives. You know, we're, we're we're all creative in some ways, but we're all creative in our own lane. And for me, like it's it's easy to get get overwhelmed with seeing things that I feel like, oh, that's broken. Like that needs fixed and this needs fixed. And what happens sometimes is we get so crippled by all those things that we see are broken that we don't lean into the things that, that we actually have in our hands and in our control that we can fix. And so that's stewardship. That's taking all the resources, all the tools, all the all the um, things that we can do that are in our control and maximizing every bit um, that we can do with that and being a good steward of it. Mm-hmm. So the next thing we want to talk with you about is just the idea of, you know, whether you're a church or a business or a nonprofit, whatever it is, you know, every every organization has a brand. Mm-hmm. And so what we want to ask you about is, you know, what are some of the things that you know, organizations can do to go about creating a strong and positive brand? Oh, great question. Uh, I, I think there's probably the thing that I would say is most critical is a brand is more than your logo. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a lot more than your logo. Like I, I've talked with a lot of organizations where it's like, hey, no, we don't have branding issues. Like, look, look at our logo. We had, a, we worked with a company. They, they told us here's, here's a logo. We're going to use it. We're like, and they will slave over if somebody messed up the pixels on it or changed the color or anything. Which is, those are good things. Like, you want to, you want to manage that brand in that way. Mm-hmm. But the brand is not just the logo. It's, and it's not even 
and beyond that from a messaging standpoint, it's not what you say about you. It's what others say about you. Um, branding is that aftertaste after somebody experiences your brand. Um, it's what South, when you think of Southwest airlines, you don't think about, um, about their logo. You probably think about, here's the experience that I have when I use Southwest airlines. They're, they're chiller than most people. It seems like they're a lot more friendly. They're like the Chick-fil-A of the airline industry, you know? Um, so that's, that's what I think about their brand. We're not thinking about their logo. You know, those are all compliment that experience for sure. Um, but that's what, that's what I'm telling somebody else about when it comes to Southwest. So I think, you know, when it comes to branding, one of the things I've learned too is, is especially going into a new organization or trying to, to really dial into what your brand is. I, I love asking people that are um, new, like in, in our context, new to our church or have been around for a long time. And I love asking them the question of, Hey, what brought you here and what keeps you here? Mm-hmm. And I learned, I was really trying to learn, um, when I first got into our, um, our church at Westridge, I started off as the communications director for the first four years. And I was really interested in what people were going to say. And I thought I was going to get a wide array of answers. And nine out of 10 people said it's authenticity. It's that's the thing that draws me to our church. It's authenticity. It's not that everything is the best out of anywhere. It's not that every message is just the most inspiring or whatever. It's that everybody here is real and and authentic and connects with me as I am. And um, and I can relate to people here. And I'm like, okay, that's our brand. And so the more that we let that messaging and branding layer into how we design, how we um, how we create the me- the way we talk on stage, the way we you know, we share on video, um, all the collection of all those things. If it feeds back into authenticity, it's feeding into our brand, and um, that's that's the thing that we want to complement for for our brand. Now that's going to be different for somebody else. That could be um, you know a, a lot of different things. So, but I, I think it's more about focusing around what um, what others are saying about you. And you do have in your control um, setting up for them the things that you want to be the most noticed, the most shareable, the, the, the thing that you want to be the most memorable. And that's how you can build into that brand. Mm-hmm. So if like, let's say that an organization doesn't have a very good brand right uh-huh. now, what what do you think would be a couple of things that they could think about doing to improve their brand? I think it, it would be think of it like an elevator pitch. If you were to, if if somebody were sitting on the elevator with you and they asked about your organization or your church, what would you say? And if it sounds like logistics and it sounds like, well, we have this and we have this. If it sounds like what Microsoft used to do in their advertising, uh, <laughs> hey, we have the best processors and we have um, we have the, the largest screen size and we're cheaper and all that stuff, then that's that's a message about them that people will not will not be interested in. Mm-hmm. And so the more that you can say, hey. The way you can focus your brand is more about what's in it for them, and make it, what Donald Miller, Don Miller has some cre- incredible stuff with Story Brand right now that he's he's writing about and and um, and, and doing as as the Story Brand organization. And he says you got to make your audience the hero, and um, it's got to be something they see themselves in, and it's gonna, something that, that is solving a problem that they have and they experience. So it's got to be an internal problem for them, not an external problem, and so thinking about that elevator pitch in the way of would this connect and would this make, make that person want to engage and, and know more, mm-hmm. that's how you know you've got something that's connecting. But if it feels like a spec sheet um, of features, then that's probably not going to be a branding aspect that's going to connect with other people. Cool. 
Well, hey, as as we're wrapping up, you know, we usually have a we have a couple of questions that we like to ask, you know, every guest that we have on. Um, yeah. And it's really just goes back to, you know, kind of what what are you learning right now? And so the first question we have is, you know, what's a book that you've read recently that you've absolutely loved? Oh, and there's I'm I'm diving into a couple right now. Um, the probably the top one would be a book called Impossible to Ignore. And it's it has a great level. It, it there's a lot of science to it, which don't let that scare you. But um, it's a it's a book that the, the key elevator pitch of that is most people will forget ninety percent of what you communicate, and most organizations or or communicators aren't intentional about the, what that ten percent is that people are actually going to remember. And so there's a bunch of cues and tools and things you can do that will help people trigger that 10% that not only will they remember, but they will act on that 10%. And so that's, that's a really like, that's a topic that I'm really um, captivated by and interested in. So I'm, I'm really big in that concept because it's changing even for, for every, everything that, I mean, everything communicates, Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it's social, a, a mess, a, like a talking head, a video, all those things. I mean, those are all things that you're trying to communicate for a purpose. So it's probably something we should dive into more and more and really be a student of um, because there's more and more things than ever before that are, are trying to capture our soul attention. Um, so the more that we're students of actually um, earning that attention, the, the more effective we can be. So I'm, I'm digging that book. I'm going to have to pick that one up. You got yeah. me intrigued. <laughs> okay. Um, another one is what, what's a podcast that you've been listening to that's been really good? Oh, uh, you can't – don't say A because I've got – that's that's my um, – that's the <laughs> way that I drive. Like anytime I'm driving, that's when I'm – or mowing the grass or whatever, that's when I'm consuming. So goodness, there's a bunch of them. Um, I already mentioned one, StoryBrand by Donald Miller. He does has some great interviews and conversations within that. Um, usually the, the things that I really enjoy consuming are either store, uh, stories or leadership. And, and, and that helps, helps me grow in both of those things. So mm-hmm. the Craig Rochelle po- leadership podcast is brilliant. It's so practical. It's a great thing to even take, uh, if you have a team that you're trying to grow their leadership, it's a great thing to take them through. Mm-hmm. So really simple, practical, um, and, uh, a great thing. Entree leadership is another really good one by Dave Ramsey's team. Um, in Nashville. So entree leadership is great. Um, there a couple other ones, how I built this is a really good, uh, it's just all across the board, you know, mm-hmm. just talking to the guy from five guys on how they got, how they yep. built five guys or, um, Tom's shoes or anything like that. So it's really interesting stories of behind the scenes of that stuff, but tons of nuggets that you can learn from to, to grow your leadership and grow what you're building as well. Um, the accident, accidental creative, uh, by Todd Henry is a really good one with some great interviews. He just uh, interviewed Seth Godin, who's like a, a Yoda for me. He's brilliant. Um, so l- love that conversation. And then probably the one that I've listened to for the longest is This American Life, which makes me feel like a little bit of like a 70 year old, you know, but um, but it's a it's just brilliant storytelling um, for sure. Uh, oh, another, another one, even Malcolm Gladwell, um, the revisionist history. Uh, is so thinking he is he's one of my favorite writers but goodness he's probably more wired for podcasting um for how he tells a story so that is uh, uh, so you can tell there's a lot of them Uh, so i can't i can't pick one no that's good what's what's something that you're learning right now oh geez um a lot right now i feel like i'm in a in a um in a time where I'm, I'm 
I'm processing a lot of new ideas that I'm trying to even, that's why I've even slowed down a little bit on blogging because I feel like I'm in a learning phase more than anything before. And I want to process some of this stuff and apply it before I uh, get practical on how you, other people could, could apply it. But I, I think for me, the thing that's, that I'm wrestling with the most from a, from a church standpoint is uh, if you look at over, over, um, the way we're communicating as a church, the way that people are attending churches has completely changed over the last 15, 20 years. And the burden I have is that most churches are still communicating um, with the tools and, and, the, and the methods that they had 20 years ago. So they're, but, so they're assuming they have people's attention. They're assuming that people are hearing their message. They're assuming that they're going to act on it. So most people, most churches are communicating, haven't changed the way they communicate, mm-hmm. but everybody else has the, the way that our audience communicates and the way they connect with information. So it means that we have to change. We have to adapt in the way that we're taking our message and using the methods we have to really make it compelling. That will be something that people will act on. So that idea of how people are changing the like people are, are attending far less frequently in church. Um, and a lot of people are realizing that over the last five years that like, okay, well, people used to come through three out of four weeks in a month. And now it's like one time a month or maybe twice. So that impacts everything for what we do as an organization. Um, but it gives some new problems to solve and some new things, new opportunities for us to use social media and digital ministry and all these things to be able to connect with them. So there's a, a lot of things that we're tweaking with and playing with right now that will that will are trying to solve some of those problems, but a lot to learn as well. Um, so that's what I'm, I'm I'm wrestling with. Cool. Well, Phil, if people want to continue to learn from you, you know, how can they follow you? Yeah, you uh, you can head to my website, Phil Bowdle, um, P-H-I-L-B-O-W-D-L-E uh, dot com. And um, got links on there for, for Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. But it's I, most people don't have my name, so I get I get first dibs. So if you just search on any of those platforms at, at Phil Bowdle, you'll find me there. So I'd love to connect with you. Or you can feel free to email me as well, Phil at Phil dot com. Awesome. Thanks, Phil. Thank you. Right. Thanks so much, guys. My biggest takeaway from that interview was really just the idea of whenever you're communicating with someone, whenever you're putting out a message there, of just thinking through what your audience thinks about what you want to talk about and just the importance of that and not just focus so much on you and how you're doing and communicating, but really thinking about, you know, what are my audience's emotions about this? How do they feel about this? You know, what are the current views about this? And really incorporating that into your messaging so that you can really give the most effective message that you could possibly give. Now, in the next episode, we're going to be talking with Jordan Bauer. And Jordan really created this awesome Instagram account called St. Louis Graham. And we're going to be hearing the story from him of how it got started and really how it took off. The best way to make sure that you don't miss our next episode is by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or on the podcast player that you use. If you want to see some of our key takeaways from this episode, check out our show notes. Now, the show notes are a great way to stay connected to our conversation long after we're done talking. The way that you can do that is regardless of what podcast player you're using, you can always find our show notes usually under the description tab. If you're using the standard um, Apple podcast player, you can go and there's a, there's a button that has a description. You click on that and then there's a drop down. In that drop down is quotes that you can tweet out. There are websites 
there are any resources that came out of the episode, we've put them all in one spot for you to be able to access them so that you can continue the conversation with us and you can further that and just further the learning from each individual episode. If this podcast has helped you in any way, you can show your appreciation by leaving us a rating or writing a review of our podcast on iTunes or on the podcast player that you can use. You can also subscribe to our, our podcast as well. It's the best way to make sure that you don't miss an episode. You can also show us some love by hitting us up on social media. You can like our Facebook page, follow us on Instagram. Our handle is at the Learners Corner, or follow us on Twitter and let us know what you're learning. Our handle is at Learners Podcast. Until next time, keep learning. Keep growing.